Okay, so we said that tonight we're going to begin the Chadodi, and indeed we will, but in order to uh, get um, the idea behind the Chadodi, so it's going to be important to have a little bit of an introduction. And by a little bit of an introduction, I mean a lot of introduction, <laughs> but we will have an introduction to it just in order to know where we're coming from and where we're headed and what exactly it is that we are trying to accomplish. Because the Chadodi, um, in terms of, and we've talked about this before over the years, that in terms of the Jewish liturgy, in terms of the Siddur, so we know that people are very loyal to their Mesorah, to the things which they've been saying, which is what their grandparents said, which their great-great-grandparents said. And obviously everybody assumes that it goes back as ancient as it could be. And therefore, new additions to the Siddur, new additions to davening, um, in our times is considered to be almost sacrilegious. Because how could you go ahead and start tampering or tinkering with the, the Siddur when this is not what our grandparents did, this is not whatever? Uh, we'll see. It, it's it's going to be an interesting point, which we're going to see tonight. But somebody was just saying last week, that among the hardcore Litvisha people, the old-fashioned hardcore Litvisha people, so they never sing anything in davening at all. Nothing. Not Mechadodi, not Keladon. No singing meant absolutely no singing. They considered to be so offensive to sing that they tell stories of Gedolim who walked into a shul, and as soon as, their, as, soon as they started singing Mechadodi, they turned to the person next to them and said, what is this, a church? And they walked out. <laughs> that's how offensive they considered singing in shul to be, that they considered it to be a very Christian thing to be singing during prayer, and they would they had no tolerance for it whatsoever. Now, obviously, the world has dramatically changed since then. I think almost everybody does some degree of singing or another. And even if you don't like singing, if you're not even if you're not into a Karbach type of minion, but people don't associate that with church going nowadays. But that was an attitude. But this is a way of understanding the, the um, proliferation of saying L'chad Dodi, of saying Kabbalah Shabbos, and saying L'chad Dodi specifically is something which is essentially a miracle. Because it's something which is maybe four or five hundred years old, and four or five hundred years old is not very old as far as the sitter is concerned. And yet it pretty much spread through the lifetime of Shoma Alkabetz. During his lifetime, he composed it. There were different versions which other Rabbanim around the same time composed, but his version is something which spread and was adopted by communities all over the world. And it doesn't make a difference, Sephardi or Ashkenazi, all different types of communities, Hasidic and whatnot. So they all adopted this practice of saying or singing L'cha Dodi. And it's really something which is quite novel, because even like the Germans, who are very adamant at their Mesorah, their tradition of doing things, how they do things and whatnot, even they went ahead and they adopted it, which is really, it's it's mind-boggling. Okay, so the question is, uh, in order to understand this idea, so we know that L'cha Dodi begins with the words, like you just said, L'cha Dodi Likras Kala. Let us go, my beloved, Likras Kala, to go ahead and greet the bride. So this notion of going out, L'cha Dodi, let's go. So this is something which traces itself back to the Gemara. And let me just see if I can now pull this up. 
PDF, so it's not as efficient for me. Okay, hopefully it is populating. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got it? Oh, no, not yet. Yeah. no, it should be there. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so this is from a uh, the most recent sitter that I started using, where it goes at, and it uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, commentary and a lot of explanation, and it puts explanation sort of like interspersed between the words themselves, so you can actually follow it as you're as you're davening, whatever it is. So he says as follows: You see in this chapter, it says Parakei Seder Kabbalah Shabbos. So this section is about 150 pages or so of introduction to davening on Shabbos, which is a lot of introduction. By the time you finish that, Shabbos is over, uh, more or less. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's 132 pages, but it's it's a, certainly it's a lot of introduction to uh, to go ahead and, uh, and and read all of it. Um, so we're just going to pick and choose uh, different uh, sections, make it a little bit bigger. So he writes, Kabbalah Shabbos bizman Chazal. So as far as accepting Shabbos in the time of Chazal. So he writes, Even though we don't find in Chazal that they did anything of the which is reminiscent of what we would That's call right. Kabbalah Shabbos. Right? So it seems to me that in Chazal, they went straight from Mincha and they would go into Marv. However long they would wait between Mincha and Marv, but they would go straight from Mincha to Marv, and there was no stop off with a Kabbalah Shabbos. That didn't exist. However, we do find particular incidents of great rabbis who, would, with great joy, that's a simcha, they would gilu birada, but with the seriousness, Shabbos, that they will be joyful, but very focused, their acceptance of Shabbos. Hello, Kohem Divir HaGemar Basecha Shabbos. Like, for example, the Gemara in Shabbos relates. Reb Chanina Me'atev V'koy. Reb Chanina would, Me'atev means he would wrap himself in his talus, he would wrap himself in a garment. V'koy, and he would stand. Rashi says he would put on nice garments and he would stand. Apanya Damala Shabsa on Erev Shabbos in the afternoon. Amar, and he would say, now this was just his private practice. This wasn't the practice of the uh, people of his generation. This was his own hanhaga, his own practice. Bo v'neitze likra Shabbos amalka. Let us go, v'neitze, and we will go out to greet the Shabbos queen. That was it. That was his short Kabbalah Shabbos. Rabbi Yannai lovish mani, mani b'mali Shabbos. Rabbi Yannai would also put on put on fresh clothes, clean clothes, nicer clothes on air Shabbos. Amar, and he is the one who coined the phrase, Boi Kala, Boi Kala, that let us go and greet the uh, the bride. Uh, then he says, Venishnas Gemara Zu Bishinu Lushonu Vesechas Babakama, and the same idea is expressed in the Gemara and Babakama for you Dafyomi people, so he had it not so long ago, meaning like a month ago. Where it says the Shabbos Shaninu Davar Chiddush Begirsas Rabbeinu Chanana Begemara, and over there, if you look at Rabbeinu Chanana, one of the early Rishonim, 
His version of the Gemara reads, Rebchanina have a merakid v'azil. There it mentions Rebchanina didn't just go out, but he danced on his way out. I don't know if he was doing the hora or whether he was doing a square dance, but he did some sort of dance, probably not a square dance. Vamar, he said, Bo v'neitze likras kala. Let us go out and greet the bride. Vamri likras malka. And some people say it wasn't bride, but it was queen. So two different versions. Some people say bride. Some people say uh, queen. And here we see this idea. People think that dancing uh, by Lechadodi or something, or by Kabbalah Shabbos is a Hasidish, a Karabach thing. But you can actually trace it to the Rishonim in their explanation of the, the Gemara. Okay. Now he writes that he brings down over here um, he says that this idea of the Kala in the Malkasa, the uh, the bride and the queen. So this uh, this author writes. So, if you look at the Marshan in Babakama, so he elaborates on this idea of going out to greet the Shabbos. And why? In some versions, Shabbos is referred to as the bride, and in some versions, Shabbos is referred to as the queen. So he explains, Ki There's a very famous medrash, which says, We know that from the Midrashim, at the beginning of creation, it seems like everything had a complaint. Everything was unhappy with the way things were unfolding. So the days of the week, also, they take on a certain uh, personality, and Shabbos came along with a complaint. And Shabbos's complaint was as follows. All of the other days of the week, they have a pair. Day one and six, and two and five, and three and four. But I'm left out of the cold. I'm the, the, the little one said roll over. And seven was left out. So appeased the day of Shabbos and said, Knesset Yisrael ben Zugech. That Klal Yisrael will be your dancing partner, will be your uh, your uh, your partner. So for that reason, Shabbos is referred to as the Kala, who Knesset Yisrael lechasin, and Klal Yisrael is called the chasin. The collective Klal Yisrael is the chasin. So Shabbos, when we talk about Shabbos being like a wedding, so the wedding is between Klal Yisrael in the role of the chasin. And Shabbos in the role of the Kala. And being that all of Kla Yisrael are B'nai Malachim, are princes, princes and princesses. And we know that a, a chasen, a bridegroom, is equated with a king. So for that reason, so Shabbos is going to be also not only the bride, but the bride of a king is going to be called a queen. So that's why Shabbos can be called both Kala, the bride, because that was how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that was the Shidduch that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made between Shabbos and Kla Yisrael. And once the Shidduch was made, and we know the Chas and the Kala are, since the Chas in this case is Kla Yisrael, is the, uh, um, is uh, our princes, our B'nai Malachim, so the bride must also be a princess or eventually become a queen. Then he says further, Ubazed bir hamarsha betuv tam vedas eshnei ofanu bekabalos pene Shabbos. 
So he says, now, knowing that we have these two different dimensions, one is a groom and a bride, and the other is a king and a queen. So we can now understand the two different expressions, which the Amoraim had mentioned. So what he's, ref- oh, sorry. Sorry. What he's referring to is, Reb Chanina went ahead and said, let's go greet the Shabbos Malka, back over here. So Reb Chanina's terminology was referring to Shabbos as the queen. Reb Yanai referred to Shabbos as the bride. So why did they, what were their two different practices? Why did one refer to Shabbos as the bride, one as the queen? So now he says, the Marsha explains, So such an interesting idea. He says that the practice is, at the time of the chuppah, they, the chasen goes out, and sometimes you see, not everybody's makbed on this, but sometimes you'll see that as the kala is approaching, as she's everybody's watching the kala, so they don't necessarily pay attention to what the chasen is doing, or maybe they think the chasen is just trying to be a little bit romantic, but halachic, there's halachic basis for this, for the chasen to walk from out of the chuppah, the chuppah is above him. So he was standing in the chuppah while she's walking down the aisle or whatever, as she's approaching, he walks out of the chuppah, so that he is, in a sense, escorts her into the chuppah. He escorts her under the chuppah. So that's one practice. That's Yosef Hassan the Kabbalah Svehakala. Kamoshapir's Rashi Alapasik. Rashi explains Hashem Misinai Ba, this in Vizosa Bracha. Kichasan ha Yosef Likras Kala. That when HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to Har Sinai to give us the Torah, so he also, in a sense, played the role of a Hassan, who is coming out to greet the Kala, which is Kaiso. After the chuppah is over, and they did the Kedushin, they did the Shevrachos and all of that. So what typically happened was, is that at that point, the Kala moves out of her father's home and moves in with the Chassan. And in that case, the Chassan doesn't go out to greet her. She comes in on her own. Therefore, so Reb Chanina, he began his process of accepting Shabbos on Erev Shabbos afternoon, Friday afternoon. So this is taking place before Shabbos began. That means in, in terms of marriage, this is before the wedding actually takes place. This is when the chassan goes out to escort the kala in. So Amr, therefore, he says, let us go out to greet the kala. Because he's acting like the chassan, and the chassan brings the kala, escorts the kala under the chuppah. So when Reb Chanino began the process while it was still Friday afternoon before Shabbos, that's why he uses the terminology of neitze likras kala, mashein kein Reb as opposed to Reb mida acheres haisalo. So he had a different practice. Sorry. Shalom amar neitze likrasa. So he did not say, let's go out to greet the Kala, the Adarabba. The actual, actually, the opposite it was the practice of Rabbianai. Hava koi. Koi v'omei bimkomo. The word koi means to omei. He stood in place. He remained fixed where he was. And v'hainu divikinisasa, meaning upon one Shabbos arrived, Amr boi kala, so he remains in place. This is like welcoming the bride into the home. So he stands in place and says, Come on in, my dear bride. You could walk yourself over the threshold. I'm not carrying you, or something along those lines. So he said that, go ahead and you come in. Bowie Kala welcomes her in. Shakala Tavoi, love where the Kala is going to come into his domain. 
And that's why he said, That's why, in another one of those versions, they repeated the phrase, The reason why we don't, we don't repeat things randomly or just to make them fit into a song. There's always going to be a reason why we would go ahead and repeat them. And here the Marsha says the reason we're doing it is because there's two different dimensions which are taking place. There's one where the chasen goes out to welcome the bride as he's going to bring her under the chuppah. That's the first boikala. And then the ratzalom or boikala l'chuppah. The first one is welcome my bride to the chuppah. And then when you say boikala the second time, that's the base ba'alech. That's now welcoming her as she enters into his home. That was Rabbi practice of standing in place. And that's the way he would go ahead and he uh, he managed things. Okay, so that is as far as the practice of sort of going out. That's that's the uh, uh, origin of the practice according to Chazal. That's as close as you're going to get according to Chazal. Now, um, now we have an interesting uh, different debate in terms of practice. So he says, there was, as we're going to see now, there were three different practices about where Shabbos would be accepted, where you would be as Shabbos began. You could either be outside of town, preferably on a mountaintop somewhere, or you could be not in shul, but in the courtyard of the shul, or in shul itself. Three distinct different practices. So where does all of this come from? So here the first one is from So Shachavanis is from the, uh, I think, Moshe Kodavir from the uh, the Arizal. So he says, um, The idea of accepting Shabbos in the field, in the field means outside of town altogether. So you would travel out of town, you would Uber yourself out of town, accept Shabbos and then walk back. So he says that he writes that it's something which is written explicitly in Shabbos. This is uh, something in the Rambam, you find in the Gemara, that um, right, the Gemara says, This is the, con- the context in which it was brought down, that although running in the public domain is something which is unusual behavior in somebody who damages while running in the public domain is liable for whatever uh, damage he causes, somebody who runs on Erev Shabbos, so there's an exemption from liability. That's what the Gemara says. Because there's permission, there's license for a person to be running around crazy on Erev Shabbos, which we all do in our own way, run around crazy on Erev Shabbos. And the Gemara relates to Reb Yanai, he would stood in place and he did what he did. In one of the Amoraim said, let us go, again, there's that word again, let us go out in order to greet the Shabbos queen. So he writes, there's no doubt, that if the practice were to be, and he's, he's um, uh, insulting them, means people who are light people, 
meaning people don't really take their Yiddishkeit seriously. So if you're like one of these lightheaded uh, people, Hachoshrim, who think he died because Shabbos that you can go ahead and you can accept Shabbos in your own yard. Not only do you not have to go out of town, you don't even have to go outside of the shul. You can just do it in your own yard. Lahaya Omer Bo So there's no way that Moraim would have said, "Let us go out." Let us go out. He's taking it literally. It means let us go out of town. That's what Neitzay means. We're going to go out. And if you could accept Shabbos in your own yard or your own front porch, so then why would Chazal say if you're running in the street on Erev Shabbos, you're going to be exempt from liability for damages? Where are you running to? You're, you're, you're accepting Shabbos in your own home. The only way to make sense out of it writes this Shah uh, Kavanos is if they were running to get out to reach the outskirts of town before Shabbos began. So there was a mad rush of everybody trying to uh, to get there. And that's why, since everybody was rushing to get out of town, then we understand why, if damage occurred along the way, there could be an exemption. Because the purpose was not simply to go ahead and run out of town. Especially when it was uh, based on the story of Rabbi clearly it was for a higher purpose, which was to go ahead and to greet Shabbos from outside of the town. And now the author here summarizes. He says, This is a practice in many communities that they would gather together sometime late Arab Shabbos afternoon to go out to a field somewhere or to go out of the town entirely, the Kabul Shampanay Shabbos, in order to accept Shabbos there. And we already, already quoted from the Arizal. The Arizal said, you should go out to the field, and you should repeat the words of Rabbi Yana or Rabbi Hanina, let us go out to greet the Shabbos queen, and the Shabbos should be accepted while standing, in one location, everybody should be gathered in one location in a field, and and if they can gather on top of a mountain outside of town, who tov Yosef, that's even better. So that's practice number one. So practice number one was to actually go outside of town. And if you could find like Mount Trashmore, you all, everybody will, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say descend, ascend onto Mount Trashmore. It will accept Shabbos on top of the mountain over there. That's the closest thing we get to a mountain uh, over there. And that's where they would, one practice was, would be to accept Shabbos over there. Okay. Then he brings that, uh, this uh, second practice, Hayu Now remember that Rav Shoma Alkabatz, who wrote Lechadodi, so he was one of the Gedolim in Tzfas. So we write, so obviously where they had the, uh, uh, their practice of accepting Shabbos would be considered authoritative and instructive. So he writes, Hayu there were leaders in Tzfas, Asher Kilo that they adopted a more lenient perspective. They didn't have to run all the way out of town. That if for whatever reason it was difficult to go out to the field or outside of town, let's say it's a cold 
um, rainy, windy uh, winter's night in Svas. I imagine that's pretty uncomfortable, a cold, rainy, uh, windy uh, night in Svas. And you're not going to want to walk the half hour, 45 minutes to get out of town and then back in town and stand in the cold rain and wind as you're accepting Shabbos. So they found it to be sufficient to go out of your house into your own yard or into some sort of courtyard, like the courtyard of the shul. And this is recounted by this very authoritative t- sefer when it comes to davening and whatnot, called the Seder Hayom, where he says, that to begin Shabbos, we go out to greet the bride. And you don't have to go all the way out of town. You don't have to climb out trash more. If you go four hours outside of your house, that already is sufficient. Now, if it's not difficult, if you live on the outskirts of town anyways, and it's easy to go ahead and get yourself out of town, so that would be even better. That would be better. Because this is the way, normally, when you go out to greet somebody who's chashev, one second, Ellen. When you go to greet somebody, Chashiv, so typically they would meet them out of town. This was a practice. If you knew a great person was coming, since their towns were not big, their towns were all of like Timber Ridge. So to go out of Timber Ridge to greet somebody who's coming is really not such a big deal. So that was the way of showing honor and respect to a person who was coming, that you would uh, you would greet them at the uh, the arrival. Yes, Ellen. So it's not like going out of town, like walking across the bridge to Evanston. It would be like out of into uh, like an incorporated area, right? Is it right? That, that which doesn't yeah. exist by us. It's not. It's not even shy right. by us, right? Yeah. Okay. But he says so. This uh, so if Moshe Machir, the Seder Hayom says that you don't actually have to. Although it's preferable if you do that, it's not essential. The Inyan who in the but because the main thrust of the idea is. He says, is to go out of your house to a place of air, an expansive place, that's what you're thinking, or to a garden, or to the courtyard, a place which is open and befits uh, receiving a, an honored guest. If you remember that we find a similar idea, and I, I, I don't get it because it was probably very much a cultural thing, which is not our, our our culture anymore, but you find a similar type of thing. It occurred to me now by um, Kiddush Levana. Kiddush Levana, it's said outside, and it's brought down specifically not to say it with any overhang. You're supposed to go beyond an overhang, so when that makes it hard when it's, uh, you know, it could be very cold or, you know, the lights are sometimes by the overhang, but you're supposed to go specifically out of there because they're also, we're greeting the Shekhinah. Part of the uh, Kiddush Havana is the greeting of the, the Shechina. So when we go out to greet, so we want to go out into this expansive place. We don't wait for them to come into the building. We go outside and uh, and greet them where, where they are. So that, the Seder Hayom says, that's the main thing. To be in an open, expansive place to greet this honored, distinguished guest which is arriving. But it's not necessary to go out of town. And everything ultimately is based on the person and the place where he is, 
and how exactly that's going to, how you're going to go out to greet the Shabbos is going to depend on really, as I said, it's sort of like a cultural thing, whether or not what a person can do and what's considered to be the normal way of, uh, uh, of doing so. You see, you know, even in our time, it's, a, it's not something which we do, but everybody here has seen video and pictures that whenever a distinguished um, foreign dignitary is going to be uh, is coming to the United States for a formal visit, so the president will often greet them at the airport. They'll be outside already, so they don't they don't sit in the in the White House waiting for the person to show up at the in, in the White House. You actually go and meet them upon their arrival. So that's a way of showing honor and respect. That's probably a carryover from this uh, this practice of uh, of doing so. Now the last thing is. He says, so so far we have two practices. One is they would specifically go out of town, preferably on top of a mountain or in a field. The second one, it says, you don't have to go out of town, although it's certainly preferable. But the main thing is to be outside to greet Shabbos as Shabbos arrives. Then the third practice, and this is the one which all of us here, I'm sure, uh, practice, is minagakilos, the Kabbal Shabbos beisakneses, the practice to accept Shabbos in shul itself. So he says, in contrast to the opinions which he's seen up until now, Das Reb Moshe Cordovero, the Ramak, he's the one who wrote the um, Tomer Devorah, the work on the 13 attributes of, of God, amongst many works, of many Kabbalah works, but he wrote the uh, Tomer Devorah, a popular work. So the Ramak was no slouch. He was uh, one of the Gedolim of Tzvas, in the time he lived in the same era as the Beis Yosef and the Arizal. So in order to be a name in that uh, company is uh, pretty impressive. And he wrote, <laughs> He writes, you don't have to walk out of your house to greet the Shabbos, and certainly you don't have to walk out of town to greet Shabbos. <laughs> There's no idea of having to go out. He, he's going to explain that the idea of let's go out doesn't mean literally let's go out. It means sort of, okay, let's go. Like you, I can say let's go as we're about to begin this year. So I don't mean we're going anywhere. It's a way of saying let's, uh, we're, we're ready. Here's the phrase. And the whole idea, let us go and go out, it just means get ready. It's a way of like we would say by benching, is a way of getting everybody's attention that we're about to do something. So here they would say, Bo to go uh, get ready for uh, Shabbos to arrive. Just to get yourself ready mentally that we're about to go ahead and accept the Shabbos. And he says, And you find he, the Ramak writes as follows. He says, there are many people who think, based on this phrase, Nate Bo Venete, let us go out. Shitzark Latse Sachutza Sechutza Hasada, the Kabbal Shabbos. They have to go all the way out to the field in order to accept Shabbos. Utmili Milsatuva. And the Ramak says, I'm astonished by this practice. Now he's talking about pretty big people that he's astonished at. But I guess the first group of people called him Kale, Kale Olam. They called him a light person in the world. So he might as well say, I'm surprised that they have this practice altogether. And now here, it's such an interesting visual thing which he presents over here. It's like, it's like almost comical. So he says, Shabbos, 
because we're thinking we're greeting the Shabbos, uh, the arrival of the Shabbos queen. Let's just use that imagery. So he says, do you think the Shabbos queen comes in on the main road? We imagine the Shabbos queen is coming from Shemayim. If you're coming from Shemayim, you're coming from above, down. It's not coming from down the road. We're not looking down Dempster towards the highway, except uh, expecting the Shabbos queen to be, uh, to be, uh, you know, in an entourage coming down Dempster. Shabbos is just going to plop down from uh, from heaven. It's coming from down. So if you're looking eastwards or westwards for Shabbos, and it's going to ke- catch you by surprise when it's like a drone, which which is landing. That's the new imagery now. Shabbos comes in as a drone. Vodamar. And furthermore, he said, one of the Amorim said, Mis'atef v'koy. So he said he would wrap himself, this is the first opinion, he would wrap himself v'koy and he would stand. And that Amor doesn't say anything about going out. He wasn't going anywhere. He said, let us go out, meaning get ready. And the Gemara doesn't say that anybody walked anywhere. It's just an expression of, let's get ready. Umiu, but Now the Ramak acknowledges that the Gemara Babakama, which is one of the sources for this, certainly sounds like there's an allowed that they're they're leaving town because they said, "Let us go out," and the Hainu the Isle Roshusa which said that they have permission to be running through town, we said, because everybody's running to get to the field or they're running to get to the mountain so that they could go ahead and they could greet Shabbos there. And that's why there was an exemption for liability if you ran into somebody, if you ran over somebody in the process. The Kachnirali, therefore he said, says the Ramak, He says, there's no going out anywhere. Because which direction are you going to go? Is Shabbos coming in from the north? Is it coming in from the south? Is it coming in from the east? Coming in from the west? How do you know which way Shabbos is coming from? We know that it descended like a drone coming down the Shechina. We always, the imagery of the Shechina is always to descend upon us. But rather, it repeats, the idea was that they would wrap himself in his fancy clothing and he would stay, stand in place. And then the statement, together with the statement of Rebbeinai, where he said, come, let us go out. What that means is, some people may decide, you know what, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to read my, uh, my magazine. And then when Shabbos arrives, so Shabbos will be here. So I'm not going to do anything to greet Shabbos. I'll just wait for Shabbos to descend upon me. So therefore he says, no, that's not the correct practice to greet Shabbos, is to wait for Shabbos to just arrive. Just wait till Shkia arrives. is the Kabbalosa. And then we'll accept it by default because we have no choice because Shabbos is here. This idea of bo v'neitze is a way of expressing we're so excited about Shabbos, let's accept Shabbos a couple minutes early. Let's start Shabbos earlier than we actually have to. And that's what we mean by bo v'neitze. We're going to go out of the weekday into Shabbos, even though it's not even officially Shabbos yet. We're going to go into the weekday and we're going to sanctify some of the weekday towards Shabbos. And that's what he meant by let us go out. In a way, they at the uh, they uh, um, 
did, uh, that Shabbos would come, and they wouldn't wait for it to arrive. Uh, okay, the rest of it we don't need. And then he goes on to explain, in a paragraph, we're not going to read it inside, but he goes on to explain that the idea of running in the street may not have been running in the street in order to greet Shabbos. The running in the street was a couple hours before that. As a running around, if you ever had the uh, the grand experience to be in Machane Yehuda on a Friday morning in uh, in Yerushalayim. So, you know, there's a lot of people running around. There's a lot of chaos going on over there. And I'm sure, inevitably, people are running into each other. They're knocking things over. There's, uh, you know, uh, damage to property. There's damage to people. All sorts of exciting things happen in Machane Yehuda. And that's what they meant in terms of, since everybody is rushing to get their supplies, to get home, to get ready for Shabbos, it was that rushing on Arab Shabbos which was allowed, which was the exemption from liability for damages. But it was not the running as you're getting to Shul or as you are running out of town to uh, to Mount Trashmore to go ahead and ascend the mountain to uh, to uh, to greet Shabbos there, that the Ramak says was not the practice. Okay, Yavali. Now, one last thing that I want to uh, um, touch upon as part of our introduction. And he said, and this is something which is, it's such an interesting thing. You go to different places, but by us, by us meaning young Israel, I think many of the people stand for the entirety of the Chadodi. But I'm sure you're familiar with the practice that many places they sit for most of the Chadodi and they just get up for that last paragraph, which is going to have the Boi Kala, Boi Kala. When we finally get to that last paragraph, what is it? Um, the last paragraph, Boi Vishalom. That paragraph, so some people have the practice of standing up only at that time. So he writes as follows. He says, um, He says, from the time that this song was written, that L'chad Dodi was written, so it was said, which means a singing voice, a melody, in great emotion. Which was said by Communities throughout Klai Yisrael. Ukinemur bekitzer shla, and the sentence which the kitzer shla writes, the shortened version of the shla, the uh, on on the sitter. Achakach yomar shir lecha dodi besimcha gedola. So the shla writes that you should say or sing the song of lecha dodi besimcha gedola with great joy, b'shir song ubeamida, and while standing. And then he quotes another sefer that says the same thing. And he says, yeah, now he says, it's amazing. He says, So the Sar Sholem of Bells was one of the great Hasidic rabbis. I don't know exactly how far back he goes, but it's a few generations ago. But he is known as one of the holiest of the, the rabbis, the Sar Sholem of Bells. So he writes, that when the author of Shoma Alkabetz composed, when he drafted the words of the Chadodi, he stipulated that if it's going to be recited, I, I, I require, it's like the licensing agreement. You had to click here and say, I, I agree to the terms and conditions of the Chadodi. What were the terms and conditions of the Chadodi? Aleph, to stand throughout its recitation. 
So there you see, this is even by the Hasidish. Hasidim typically sit while uh, during the Chadori. I'm going to have to ask my Belzer friends now what they do. But he says that he said that the, the stipulation was you have to stand. Base number two, Shalola Soch Bemsa, you're not allowed to talk in the middle of the Chadori. So even though it's not a bracha and you don't really have Shem Hashem over there, so he stipulated you're not allowed to talk or interrupt. Gimel Linagno is to sing it. So this is, the Sar Shalom says that the author of the Chodoni put in place this practice that you have to stand, you can't talk in the middle, and you have to sing. Then he says, V'amar od, the Sar Shalom of Bel said further, She'ilu haya marinu Reb Shlomo Alkabatz yodea. Now, if Reb Shlomo Alkabatz knew, She'yeshvu be'es amiras hapiot shalo, that people would sit during the recitation of the Chodoni, Put your seatbelts on. No, your standing belts on. So, <laughs> so he never would have instituted the practice. Had he realized that people would sit for L'chad Dodi, he would have said, you know what, we're better off without the practice of L'chad Dodi altogether and just skip it and, uh, and move straight to Mizmor Shir Liyom HaShabbos. Venera, and it seems, and these three terms and conditions that the Sar Sholem says were stipulated by the uh, Rav Shoma Alkabatz, the author of the Chadodi, uh, were referenced in the words of the Shla, where he said, "Besimcha Gedola, with great joy, Bashir song ube amira and while standing." Okay, now, um, okay, um, okay, we'll just do this last part, and then we'll really begin next week. Next week. Uh, so he says, Even those people who don't necessarily stand throughout the paragraph, throughout this song of the Chadodi, when we get to the paragraph, the stanza that begins with the words, Everybody knows that you stand up for that paragraph. When you get to that stanza, the last one. And also, the practice is to turn to the West. We turn, which is just the opposite of the Aron Kodesh. So this also is like such an interesting idea that we're saying that we're assuming that Shabbos is coming in from the West. Again, not what the Ramak says, that Shabbos is coming in on a drone from above, and not that we have to figure out which direction it's coming in. It's coming in specifically from the West. The Prima Gada mentions this idea. Our practice is to turn to the West when we read the last stanza of Boi Vishalom. And he says that this practice is rooted in the practices, of the customs of the Arizal. Who wrote that the Tafso Panecha Keneged Ruach Marav. The Ari said that to greet Shabbos, the arrival of Shabbos, we turn specifically to the west. We turn towards Ralph and Vegas there. Because that's where the sun is setting. So it's an interesting thing that we are looking, that Shabbos is going to emerge towards us as the sun is setting even further off in the horizon. So as the sun is setting, Shabbos is going to now greet us and not leave us in the dark. And the Achronim explained the reason. 
that we hold, like Kosom Aravi, the Western Wall. So we hold that as far as location of the Shechina, not that the Shechina really can be confined to a physical location, but if we're going to go ahead and use our coordinates to be able to pinpoint where the Shechina is, so the Gemara's conclusion is that it's to the West. And being that on the seventh day, this goes already back to the seventh day of creation. So when Akash Baruch Hu finished creating and he ascended and he sat upon his throne in Shemaim. So, so the greeting of Shabbos is also going to be the place where the Shechin, excuse me, where the Shechin resides, which is to the west. Vod and furthermore, and also that we know when Shabbos begins, because Shabbos begins when the sun has set and when darkness has fallen. And you can, if you look to the east, the sky to the east is darker ahead of when the sky to the west is dark. So we, when we want to pinpoint the exact moment of the arrival of Shabbos, you're not going to turn to the east in order to be able to discern that. We're going to turn to the west, at least those of us in the in the the areas where we live, so we are going to. I guess it's it's universal that the sun always sets to the west. So wherever you are, you're gonna the sun's gonna set to the west. So that's the direction that you're going to uh, that you're going to turn. Okay, just to be yotze. So let me stop this share. Oops, sorry, no, not that. And so. It's loading. Okay. So what we have over here is, we'll just do the uh, the opening phrase. So we say, And we'll see next week, we'll start with this, that there's a debate. Who exactly my beloved is? Is the beloved, is it HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaking to Klai Yisrael, Klai Yisrael speaking to uh, the Shabbos, somebody speaking to the Shechina. But we say, come my, my beloved, let us greet the bride. Pene Shabbos Nekabala, and the, the face of Shabbos Nekabala, we will go ahead and we will welcome. And then that's going to be the obviously the refrain throughout this, uh, throughout the Lachadori. And we'll make our way through the, the eight or nine paragraphs uh, or stanzas to understand the, the, how the shift we have in terms of subjects, Shabbos, Beis Amitosh, and then Shabbos, why we make that shift and what the, uh, the meaning behind the different uh, sections uh, happens to be. Alrighty, okay. Goodbye. Stop share. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. All, right. All the best, everybody.